But uh, I'm glad to be here. Today's a, a super special day for me, too, because today is uh, mine and Megan's anniversary, which is, yeah, hey. Butch, Butch Pulliam asked me, he said, how long have you been married? I said, she has been blessed with 18 years being married to me. He said, yeah. So I used to tell, I used to tell Nita, so I used to say, uh, I'm a trophy husband. And she'd say, what contest in hell did I win? <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Well, just a, a couple other things uh, I, uh, I wanted to let you know about. One is, since the pandemic, since you know, we got into all the COVID stuff, our Celebrate Recovery ministry had moved out of this space and had been meeting over in the, in the gymnasium, and it's worked okay, but they've really been outgrowing that space and have needed more room for worship. And so this Friday night actually is going to be the first, uh, first week that they're going to be back in this room for worship, and we're really excited for them to be able to do that, and they'd love to invite you. If you've never come out on a Friday night, they'd love to invite you to come and celebrate with them as they're kind of moving back into this space. Uh, the dinner starts at 5.30 this Friday, so you're invited. It's a great time. Uh, you saw in the video about the back-to-school blitz. That's something that we, we've done for a few years now, is uh, helping our local schools get ready for the beginning part of, uh, you know, there's things that need to be done around their campuses, picking up trash and, and doing some landscaping and things like that, and so we're going to be uh, participating in that, and if you haven't signed up yet, be sure to do that. We're trying to get down our final numbers to figure out you know, who's going to what site and all those things, so if you're planning to be involved with that, please sign up today if possible. There's a sign-up sheet out in the lobby, and uh, we'd love to know that you're going to be able to help. Uh, you know, we've, we've been pushing camps really hard. That's a big thing for us with our students and our, our kids, as we say, you know, we, we know that they really connect with God and they, they get out of here for a week and go to a camp, go to a conference. And we've sent high schoolers to CIY this summer. We've sent middle schoolers to camp. And we just had a big group come back on Friday. I've got a picture of them, uh, just our Fairdale crew. Uh, we sent uh, 29 elementary school students and 11 faculty. Just, that was just one week of camp. So give it up for those guys. Pretty good crew. A good-looking bunch. And you guys have been busy since I, I feel like i got to catch up on all the things. Because uh, while I was gone, you guys baptized Jeffrey Cox, Lindsey Mann, Caden Allen, and Bella Hazelwood. So give it up. That's a really big deal. That's what it's all about. I, just, I love celebrating new life and uh, excited for, for all those people. And we, we get excited around here when people are, are taking those next steps for Jesus because those are eternal decisions. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. We know that eternity is a big deal. There's the promise of heaven. Back in 1965, Loretta Lynn, I don't know if you're a Loretta Lynn fan or not, but she sang a song, Everybody Wants to Go to Heaven. Great title. But the first line of the song says, Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. That's pretty true when you think about it. Uh, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Let me ask you a question. What do you think happens when we die? In the moment that your heart stops, you breathe your last, what happens? That's the question that we've all been wrestling with since humans have been around. We've all wanted to know what, what happens it's the one thing, the one mystery that people have been trying to solve. Now, I have been fascinated by near-death experiences. I, I love to read stories about that. I love talking to people. I've actually been reading a great book 
uh, by a guy named John Burke. If you're looking for a, a good read, John Burke, it's called Imagine Heaven. And uh, he was actually an atheist. He's very skeptical about God. And, uh, but he, he became a Christian, actually became a pastor, was leading a, a great multi-site uh, church in Austin, Texas. But what caused him to give his life to Christ was learning and hearing the stories of people and investigating these people who had had these near-death experiences and were able to actually get a glimpse of heaven, or sometimes they got a glimpse of hell, and then they, they came back to life. And all those people, that's the one thing I, I think is fascinating, is you read the stories or if you meet people that have experienced this, their lives are totally transformed. They're not the same people as they were before. And, and in his book, John, he, he talks about a lot of these stories. He's personally interviewed over a thousand people who've had these experiences. And I thought this was interesting. One in 25 Americans will have a near-death experience. That was crazy. I didn't realize it was nearly that high. But in the last couple of decades since as our, you know, modern, we've made all these advancements in medicine and things like that, uh, the, the number of people having near-death experiences has skyrocketed. Uh, as many as, they've estimated as many as 13 million people just in the last 20 years or so have had, have had one, of these, one of these experiences. And that, that means that just by those stats alone, there's probably somebody in here or maybe a couple of people in here that have, that, that's you. You've had one of these or you know someone who has. And, and I would really love to hear those stories, by the way, if, if you have or you know somebody. Uh, man, I'd love to talk to you about that. I really would like to hear that. Uh, I've spoken to people who have been through that. I've been with people in their fi final moments. And as you're, you're watching people that are, that are breathing their last, I've seen people who are, their eyes are fixed on something and they reach out to someone, to something. It's, it's fascinating. One of my favorite stories in, in the book, Imagine Heaven, talks about this woman named Maria. Had her, her doctor, a very skeptical kind of guy, uh, not, not a believer. But he had begun to hear these stories of people saying, hey, I saw something. And, and uh, anyway, this, this woman, Maria, said, you know, she, she kind of had opened up and said, man, I, I, something happened to me. And she described being able to come out of her body. She said, I, I saw myself there. I knew what was happening. She described what was taking place in the room. He said, that's fascinating. He said, How would she have known this? And then she said, it, uh, it seemed like she traveled, she said, I traveled through the, the hallway out by the nurse's station, saw them kind of moving around, and it's as if I went up through the ceiling, out, out of the building, and he's, and he's like, okay, I, I don't know about this, I'm not sure if I'm buying it. And she said, yeah, uh, actually on one of the ledges, if you, if you look outside, on one of the floors, there's a window ledge, there's a shoe out there, I saw it, it looks like it's a men's left shoe with a hole uh, in, by the toe, and the shoelaces were tucked under the heel. And the doctor said, okay, I'm going to... And he said, I checked every window until, sure enough, I found it. There it was. There's no way she would have known that that was there. There's, there's thousands and thousands of these kinds of experiences that have been happening. I mean, again, it skyrocketed more recently, but all through human history, people have, have described these things. I was... Uh, it's just fascinating. And I bring all this up, really, because of this. Most of us live our lives as if this is all that there is. We're not really concerned about anything beyond today, tomorrow, next week. You know, maybe we're looking forward to uh, 
you know, what's going to happen in our job, or we're looking forward to retirement, or a vacation, or a trip, or something. You know, we're, we're very fixated on the here and now, that it's this life and not much else matters. We're increasingly seeing this in our culture and around the world. I was reading a news article the other day that was talking about some of the churches in Europe, you know, these big cathedrals. Uh, and, and they're saying that these, these amazing church buildings, they're having some serious problems right now. And the problem is they have so many tourists who are coming and they want to go in the building and see the architecture and the artwork and the, you know, those sort of things and admire it. That They're having a hard time balancing that with also allowing the parishioners to worship. And tourists are coming in and are being so loud and obnoxious they won't be quiet for people to pray. They're not there to worship. They're just there to check the place out. Sadly, for a lot of people, that's about the depth of what their faith is like. We kind of keep Jesus at a distance. You know, I kind of, okay, I'm around it. I, I talk to people, I mean, it's so common now and becoming more and more common. People, we just don't think about anything else besides right now. We live, the li- we live life as if this is all that there is. But the truth is, and this is how I kind of want to open up this series to kind of set this, kind of set this truth, this foundation in place you got to know that everybody is going to live forever somewhere. You, you know you, you're not really going to die, right? You, I mean, your body's going to die, but you are going to exist forever. You are an eternal being. You have a soul that's going to live eternally somewhere. And that's the, the thing that we don't talk about very often, but it's true. We, we, we know this deep down. I, I believe that we all sense it. And I think that's why death is always so hard for us. Because no matter what the circumstances are, no matter how old a person was or how sick they had been, it's always a tragedy. It's always tragic when someone dies. We feel it, and we try to make ourselves feel better, I think, by saying, well, oh, at least they're not in pain anymore. But the reality is, it's terrible. It's not fun. It's, we're separated, and, and it's a big loss for us. And we're going to feel it now every day for the rest of our lives. And there's this, I believe there's this little voice in us that just knows that there's something else. This wasn't the way it was supposed to be. You know, when Adam and Eve were placed in the garden, they, there was no death. And I think even, you know, the, the inherit, what we've inherited down through generations because of sin, because it's fractured the world, because now there's death we still feel that, like every time someone dies, we, it's kind of like, this was not the way this was supposed to have been. And it's tragic, but we've just instinctively known. Human beings have, have known all over the world, in every kind of culture, even those that are the re- remote and removed from all kinds of society. You know, you get tribes out in the middle of a forest somewhere that have no connection to the outside world, and yet when you... You, you learn about these people, you find out they believe in an afterlife. They believe that there's something else. We all know there's something. I love what John Burke says in the book, Imagine Heaven. He says, maybe the reason that we never feel fully satisfied in this life is because we were created for the life to come. As a matter of fact, this may surprise some of you, but the Apostle Paul, who wrote over half the New Testament, he had a near-death experience. Uh, in Acts 19, he was outside of the city of Lystra when he was left for dead. It uh, records that Acts, uh, Acts says that uh, the Jews came from Antioch 
and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up. So basically, Paul had this experience where people were throwing stones at him. It was a, a way of executing people back then. And then they thought, they, they checked his pulse, they thought, this guy's he's a goner. So they drug him out of the city. They left him outside for dead. But he survived and got a glimpse of heaven and was able to write about it. And Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 12. It's interesting. He says, I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. Now that's something I think is interesting. About pretty much every person who has had a near-death experience, they don't like to talk about it. They're just, people don't really speak up. Matter of fact, that's part of the, as you research it, you realize that for a long time, these people that, that had these, they didn't even bring it up to their doctors because they thought they were afraid people would think they're crazy or, you know, what, what's going on. I've read multiple stories from people who were not believers in Jesus. They lived pretty sinful lives and they died. And they talked about being tortured and berated and humiliated by demons and then since then of course they came back to life they've given their life to Christ but they don't like talking about that experience at all in fact they've got PTSD from it it was very real but even those who got a glimpse of heaven they saw loved ones they started to go towards Jesus and the next thing you know they're back here it's kind of a rotten deal when you think about it isn't it I think about Lazarus, the story of Lazarus. What a great, what a great story that is. Lazarus is dead for four days. You know, you have Mary and Martha, they're torn up about it. They want Jesus to come back and heal him. And then Jesus comes along and says, oh, you know, move the stone. Lazarus, come forth. He comes out of the grave and everyone's so happy about it. It's this big celebration. Oh, you know, you know the one person we don't hear from in that whole story is Lazarus. Nobody asked his opinion. I imagine he didn't have very many nice things to say. I don't, I don't think he probably wanted to be back to this. And Paul says, I'm reluctant to talk about it. But verse 2 says, I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. And you might wonder, well, what's the third heaven? So they considered the, the sky. You know, you talk about, oh, I look to the heavens. You know, the sky, the atmosphere is kind of like the first heaven. And then you've got planets, stars. That's the second heaven. And the third heaven is the place where God dwells. Because I was caught up there where the Lord is. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. That's another thing you hear people say. They say, oh, I've never felt more alive. I look down, I see myself. I, I, just, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. He says, only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to tell. He's saying, I've seen some things that were too indescribable. I couldn't, that, that we don't have the language. I, I saw things, I heard things that I could not, you, you couldn't possibly begin to understand what I've seen and what I've experienced. And that's been a common thread with people. Again, with these, these experiences, they come back and they talk about a journey. All of them talk about a journey, whether it's through a tunnel or going through the roof of a hospital or whatever. Paul says, I was caught up. That's how he describes being transported to heaven. And they all, they all claim, again, these, these uh, 
near-death experiences, they claim that there's no sense of time. That time is absolutely meaningless. You know, the Bible talks about that. 2 Peter 3.8, it says that a day is like a thousand years with the Lord and a thousand years a day. It's, they say, it's just, I don't know, I could have been, been there a, a minute or, or a week. It just it, Nothing, it, it was totally meaningless. And they talk about light. They said there's just this light that would be too bright for our earthly eyes to be able to take in. I, I read one account of a person who said, it just seemed like there was light emanating everywhere. And I thought to myself, I'm so glad I don't have my earthly eyes because I wouldn't be able to look. But it, but it didn't feel overwhelming at all. It's just, it's just radiating. Isaiah 60 talks about how in heaven there will be no need for the sun or the moon because the Lord will be the everlasting light that the glory of the Lord rises to shine on us. And the other thing that's described over and over again is just an overwhelming sense of safety and love. That they recognize loved ones who were there to greet them. Uh, that when they've come into the presence of Jesus, that they, they felt nothing but unconditional love. I read one account of a, of a, of a person that they said, I, I was greeted with my loved ones. They ushered me. And I knew I was moving towards Jesus. And she said, I looked into his eyes and I had the overwhelming sense that I was completely loved and that he knew everything about me. And she said, I don't, and I don't mean that in a shameful way. I, I mean that in a way that I wanted, I wanted him to know everything. He saw everything. And they just described feeling I'm home. This is where I'm supposed to be. They say, I, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else but right here. And, and for me, I just feel like everything in our world, everything in our life is just a shadow to that. You know, when you have those moments when you just feel love or happiness or joy, or what, you know, those are just little reflections of what we're going to experience in the presence of God for eternity. We get, little, we get little glimpses here and there, little tastes. And with the rest of our time today, I want to look at a passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians 5. It's written by Paul. It's just loaded with encouragement for us today. He says in verse 1, he says, We know that when this earthly tent that we live in is taken down, that is when we die and we leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven. An eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies. And we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. Now I want to pause there for a second. What I kind of wanted to do today and what we're going to do throughout the next few weeks. I wanted to kind of take down some myths and kind of kind of help us navigate through some misunderstandings about heaven, about what's coming. There's so much that we could talk about. I, I really, to be honest with you, I haven't made up my mind yet how many weeks I'm going to continue with this theme, uh, but uh, we're just going to keep rolling until we feel like I've covered enough, or at least you are bored with it, but, but we're going to do it for a few weeks. I'm sure we'll talk about hell a little bit because it's a reality, but I want to pause at this passage. The Bible says we grow weary in our present bodies. Anybody want to say amen to that? <laughs> we grow weary. We get tired. Things don't work like they used to. I heard a comedian say that you know you're getting old 
when, you know, the older you get, they keep adding candles, right? This comedian says, you know you're getting old when they just put one candle on the cake and they say, let's see if you can blow this one out. (laughs) But it's, it's important. It's important for us to know that the Bible says we will be given new bodies. We will be given, you are not going to be some floating soul, just kind of, you know, living on a cloud or something. Let me just, let me just clarify a few things that we need to know. First, people, these are questions that I get, or things that I feel like I talk about to people. Number one is people ask me if I believe in ghosts. I said, no, I don't. And, and here's why. When you die, there's a separation of the body and the soul and the soul goes somewhere. It doesn't hang around. It's not trapped in the in-between. You know, it's not like we hover around some, you know, special place or something like that. I've heard spouses say that, you know, if, if I die first and you remarry someone younger than me, I'm going to haunt you for the rest of your life. And you may like the idea of that, but it's not really a reality. I don't think you're going you're gonna to be able to do that. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present and at home with the Lord. You go somewhere. Now, let me preface, I do believe in demonic activity. And I've heard people tell stories, and I believe their stories, and they say, man, you don't understand, I saw this, or I felt this, or this thing happened. I, I do believe in, in, in demons. That's for a whole other day. Uh, but uh, I think a lot of times what we say are ghosts. Uh, it's, it, is, it could be a spiritual thing, but it's, but it's not your, your loved one. Here's a second question I hear. Can, I, can my loved one see me now? I can't say for sure, but I would say that it's highly unlikely. And here's why. Again, time is meaningless for them. And I would say that they're probably pretty busy just enjoying the presence of the Lord right now. You know, when I go on a trip, if I'm in some fabulous place and I, you know, we go to a resort or whatever, you know, we're there, especially if time was meaningless. If I'm there for the first day, I'm not really thinking, oh my goodness, I need to video call the kids right now. What are they doing? Let's see what the, oh, no, I'm I'm enjoying where I am. I'm pretty positive that they're enjoying the beauty of heaven. But one thing I can say for sure, they're not here. I think that sometimes we want to feel like people are watching over us. So if there's like a breeze, uh, at a certain time, or we see a, I see a, this has become real popular. People see a cardinal, and they say, "Oh, that's my that's my loved one watching over me." I saw a cardinal; it landed on the their gravestone, and that, I just knew that was them. That's not what the Bible teaches. We don't become birds or breezes. It's something much better. Now we 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 still exist. Our souls live on, and for those who are followers of Jesus, we will be in His presence. The third thing that I think is worth mentioning, people will ask, is my loved one an angel? Do we become angels? No. You do not become angels. Angels are entirely different created beings. They're, they're, not, they're not like us, and we're not like them, and we are not going to become like them. You will always be you. You will have your personality. Whether that's good or bad, you still have it. I'm still going to have my sense of humor. That's going to be great for me, bad for everybody else around me. You know, it, but you, you will still be who God made you to be because he made you on purpose. You will be you, but you will be given a body that will not wear out. Paul goes on, he says, while we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on 
new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. Somebody might say, well, man, why are we talking about dying? This is kind of, oh, I don't know, this is depressing. The reason is because what you believe about eternity determines what you do today. It determines how you live. Eternity is everything. This life is so brief and so short, and, and the decisions that we make and the way in which we live now is going to determine what eternity looks like for us. If you believe that you are here on accident and that there's no God, that there's no eternity, then, then you're going to live a selfish life. And that's what we see a lot of people today. I'm convinced. Everybody, not everybody, but many people are they have decided, and maybe it's because we've become so advanced as people, we feel like, you know, I've got a phone in my pocket, I've got access to everything I would ever want, why do I need God? And as a result, we've turned completely inward. We're selfish, we treat other people badly, we're, 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 we hate, we're haters, we're, we, we love things that are evil and vile. It's almost like the Bible said something about that would happen in the end, in the end time, you know. That everything would be about us. But if, if you believe that you're created by God for His glory... If you really believe that, that I was formed by the hand of Almighty God for His glory, for a purpose, and you will understand that you will live somewhere eternally, and that shapes the way that you live. What we believe about eternity determines how we live today. You will live forever somewhere. Your physical body will cease to exist at some point, but your soul will continue to live. So Paul says, so we're always confident confident even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies we are not at home with the lord yet for we live by believing and not by seeing and yes we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we'll be at home with the lord so whether we are here in this body or away from this body our goal is to please him for we all must stand before christ to be judged and we will receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we've done in this earthly body. Now, there's a lot in that verse we could unpack. Uh, Paul says we'd rather be away from these bodies given the choice. He says, I've seen, I've got, I got a glimpse of heaven. He says, I'll tell you right now, if you give me the choice, I'd much rather be there. Much, no, no question, so much better than what we've got here. So what, what happens when we cross the finish line? Three things. Number one, our physical bodies die. It shuts down. The heart stops. The breathing stops. The brain waves cease. This flesh and bones, it, it stops. Hebrews 9 says, just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered once for all as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. You notice that verse, it says, each man, each person is destined to die once. In other words, the odds are against you. 100% of us, we're going to die. Everybody, it's, you're not going to get away. Some of us will die more than that. Lazarus died twice. Paul died at least twice. Millions of people who've had a near-death experience, including my own mother. Uh, most of you know, on, or many of you know, on June 10th, my mom's heart stopped. She had sudden cardiac arrest. Uh, fortunately, my uncle was there to perform CPR. The EMTs got there pretty quickly. They had to shock her five times. 
But uh, they lost her again in the ambulance, and we, we were there. The doctor was saying, she's not going to make it, not going to make it. You, know, you need to prepare yourself, go get the living will, all those things. But she, she was dead. The doctors still don't know why. They don't know exactly what happened. They know that her heart stopped, but they don't, they're, still, they're still investigating that. But her story really is a miracle. I've never seen God move in, in, like that in all my life. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, and she's still seeing those doctors, the ones that were in the hospital, the ones that were telling us as a family, hey, she's not going to make it. We, don't wanna, you know, we just want to kind of set your expectations. People don't survive this. Um, and now it's sort of fun. I've, I've gone to our doctor's appointments with her. We walk in the room, and the doctor comes in and says, oh, like, I, you know, they don't know what to say. Like, I don't know. This, that's pretty amazing that you're here. And, and I like what her heart doctor said. He's a really nice man. He's been there since the beginning. He put in her pacemaker. And he said, God just decided not to take you home yet. And that's it. We're, we're all destined to die. Now, my mom doesn't remember anything about that day. She doesn't even remember what she did that morning. She'd been out in the garden, planted tomato plants, doesn't remember any of that. The whole day is gone for her. Although she does have a faint memory of seeing some light, uh, I'm not sure if her mind just completely blocked all of it uh, because it was pretty traumatic what she went through. Or if there wasn't, maybe, maybe perhaps there just wasn't enough time for the second thing that happens to us. The second thing that happens when we cross the finish line, our body and our soul separate. You're not just a body. You're not just a bag of flesh and bones. You have a soul. Jesus said in Matthew 10, he says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They can't touch your soul. But you should fear the Lord who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And your soul is really who you are. That's the part of you that lives forever. And I have to say, I, I, I wouldn't say that I'm really afraid of dying I, uh, because going to Jesus just sounds like a great deal to me. I'm ready for that. Whenever he wants to call me home, I'm, I'm good. Uh, but there are certain ways in which I would prefer not to die. And one of those, call me crazy, one of those is I really would prefer not to be attacked by a shark. I just think that'd be a terrible way to go. Uh, last summer, Megan and I took a group of high school students down to Panama City Beach for a for a camp, and uh, we were right on the beach. It was so great, and I'm, I'm a little weird about the ocean. I just don't want to be attacked by a shark or a jellyfish or whatever any, whatever's down there. I don't want it near me. You know, I just don't, just not, just not about that, and, and, and I, I, I like looking at it, but I'm very comfortable on the beach. You know, I can watch, but uh, one day I'm sitting there and watching all the teens out there splashing. I mean, there was, it wasn't just our group. There was a lot of, a lot of people out there. And, and I'm looking out, I'm watching, our, watching some of your kids, I'm, I'm watching them, and, uh, and I see, the, you know, the waves are kind of coming up like this, and I saw a dark creature on, in one of the waves. And I thought, I'm going crazy, what in the world, like that looks like a shark. And I'd just seen on the news, too, that they'd seen a shark around Panama City, I'm like, oh. And I'm like, no, 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 let me watch it. And so, I, you know, it comes, and sure enough, there it is again. And so I, I may have induced a little panic there at the beach that day. <laughs> I, so I screamed, get out of the water! Everybody get out of the water! Shark, 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 shark! I've seen Jaws way too many times. And uh, so I'm screaming and yelling, and they're all trying to get out of the water. And, uh, and we looked a little closer. I think somebody in a kayak went up. It was a manatee. 
which is still scary to me. I don't want to be around that. Don't want that. But here's something I've learned. Maybe you'd be interested in this. I, I found that you're more likely to die from getting hit in the head by a champagne cork than you are from a shark death. That brings me great comfort. You are more likely to die by getting hit on the head by a falling coconut. You are more likely to die as a result of bad handwriting. That's true because you've been to the doctor. They write out prescriptions. You can't read what it says. You get, get the wrong medicine. You know? you're, you're more likely to die from falling off of the toilet than you are to die of a shark attack, which some of you need to take. When you're sitting there on the throne scrolling Instagram, you start leaning. You better watch it. You're more likely to die getting your head stuck in a vending machine trying to get your Doritos than you are a shark attack. I just, I just had to tell you all that stuff because it brings me great comfort to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yes. But you're, you are going to die. You are going to die. You've come from dust, and to dust you will return. The body and the soul will separate, and the body is no good to you anymore. From the ground you came, from the ground you will return. People ask me sometimes, what about cremation? I just, I feel like we shouldn't be cremated. I feel like cremation is, is wrong, and, and, and how will God give me a body? I said, He's, he will have no problem making you a new body. He made Adam from the dust of the earth. You don't worry about this old bag of bones. It's, it's useless. He's going to give you a new body. It'll be perfect, and it'll last forever. But here's the third thing that's going to happen that Paul talks about, that we will all face judgment. We're going to talk about that next week. This is a big topic. Um, but there are two judgments that await. There's the great white throne judgment uh, in the book of Revelation. John says he saw a great white throne and people were standing before God at the throne and that God opens up the book of life and if anyone's name is not written in the book of life, they're thrown into the lake of fire. Uh, that's a judgment for salvation. That is not what followers of Jesus are going to face. You will not stand before that judgment seat. Because for us, our salvation is secure. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, we're okay with dying because we know what's coming. He says, God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he's given us the Holy Spirit. But there is another judgment that we will face. That's the, the second one. Again, we'll, we'll div, div, dive into this more next week. And that's the judgment seat of Christ. In verse 10, Paul says, we must all stand before Christ to be judged. And we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil that we've done in this earthly body. This is a judgment for reward. You're saved by grace, but you are rewarded for works. And there are rewards in store for each one of us, and they will not be equal. I know we love equality. Everybody, everybody get the same thing. Everybody gets, it's, not, it's not in God's economy. You'll be rewarded for your works, for what you did with the time that God gave you, just like the parable of the talents. If you are familiar with that, God, you know, the, the, the master gives different amounts of money. and they, Anyways, they're rewarded differently. You will be rewarded differently than others around you, depending on the level of faith that you live with. We'll dive into that later. Where are you today? Because our world is so temporary, and one day your heart's going to stop. Uh, it's, it, there, there'll be no more do-overs. Everybody's going to live forever somewhere. If you aren't certain today that your home is in heaven, we'd really love to talk to you about what a relationship with Jesus Christ looks like and how you can be secure and you don't have to live your life wondering, I hope I've been good enough. I hope I've done the right things. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. We, our faith is not, it's not 
hope. It's confident assurance. I have the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. You have a Savior that is inviting you into something bigger. So if you need to talk to somebody today, you can swing by our next steps area out in the lobby, or I'm going to be right here at the front of the stage. I'd love to, to pray with you, hear your story, whatever, whatever I can do to serve. Let's pray together. Lord, we're, we're grateful, thankful to know that, that this life, this 70, 80 years, whatever, whatever you give us, that this isn't all that there is. This life is difficult and it's full of trouble. There are good moments, but it's full of a lot of pain and heartache. I'm thankful to know, God, that you have prepared and are in the process still of preparing a place for us, for a home that we will go to. And we do look forward to that day, but it is, it is terrifying to think about the, the journey. What's it going to look like? How will it feel? What will we do? I pray that you would reassure us over the next few weeks from your word. As we dive in and we look at your words, Lord, just help us to, to have the may, the, may the peace of Christ rest on us. Help us to keep an eye to heaven and a hand to the plow and never to look back. We thank you, Lord, for your spirit here, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. See you next week.